This is Elevate's Climate Changemakers, highlighting leaders in equity work and climate action. This season, we're having conversations with creators who are centering climate and environmental justice in their art. Let's dive in and meet today's changemaker. Hello and welcome. Thank you for joining us today in the Elevate Cafe. I'm Ann Evans, CEO and today's host, Adrian. Hi, and I'm Adrian Fox, the Senior Associate of Social Media and Digital Communications at Elevate, and I'm your co-host. Thank you, Adrian. <laughs> we are so excited today to have this conversation with you, Candace Hunter, an amazing visual artist. She's award-winning. She has an amazing uh, story and body of work. And today we're going to talk to her about an amazing piece that really focuses on water and water scarcity. It's called Dust in Their Veins, and it's a story about the global water crisis. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me here. Thank you. <laughs> we're excited to have you. <clears throat> yes. So we want to start today by not ask, actually asking you about your work. We want to ask you about your well-being. How is the world treating you and how are you taking care of yourself? Oh, wow. <clears throat> so COVID, I think, has taken us all for this to this ride, this roller coaster ride mm -hmm. that every day we turn on our TVs or our radios or have conversations. There is something new that's going on with it. And so it's been unsettling. Yeah. It's been very unsettling, but it's also been an incredible time for me to be able to kind of be still mm -hmm. for a while and create a new body of work because I was still and I wasn't out doing all the things that yeah. I had been doing in the past. So <clears throat> that stillness... Um, gave me a time of reflection. Now, in terms of how I've been taking care of myself, well, yeah. <laughs> didn't get to the gym, didn't do any of those kinds of things that, you know, I need to return to. But I'm very proud of myself. I know this doesn't seem like much to you. But today I walked six blocks. Wow. That's good. Which, nice. for me, that was like a milestone. I was just like, but it was hurting at four. <laughs> But you kept four, with it. But I kept with it. And, That's um, great. Yes. And I've been trying to do a little bit more every day to just try and start to get back to me. That's wonderful. Yeah. So. That's great. And I'm glad that you're taking care of yourself and going on walks and that you're doing good. Thank you. <laughs> I would like to know more about Dust in Their Veins. Can you tell me more about how you got started and how it came about and just the process for it? Um, absolutely. So... I'm an artist in the past. I don't do this anymore, but um, and I do recommend this to most artists who who want to see their work out there. That you have to keep a calendar of looking for opportunities. So I literally looked every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday online for opportunities. There were certain sites that I would go to, and I have certain rules for myself if a a jury fee was more than $30. I'd go, yeah, no. Um, I would look to see who the jurors are. I would then do some investigation, if I could, on who those jurors were to see if they were looking at anything like what interests me, because if they don't, that's a waste of money, too. And there's 
enough being asked of artists not to just throw away money for a juror who's never going to look at your work. And so one day I saw a post for a show that was proposed at the um, University of uh, Minnesota in Minneapolis. And it was called Women and Water Rights, Rivers of Regeneration. Wow. I liked the title. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was poetic. It was just like, and it was about women. Okay. Yes. Then the lead juror was a woman by the name of Lucy Lippard. So I don't know if you know her name. Do you know her name? No. So when I was in undergraduate school, everyone across the United States uses the same art history book. Everybody. Really? They've broken it down in little chapters now, but I used to carry around a tome like this every day, which was like backbreaking. And at the time I was in undergraduate school, there was only one female artist in that huge book. Yeah. Wow. There was only one African American artist in that huge book. And women were relegated. There was a little paragraph about women arts. So women arts were the decorative arts. It's what a woman would do in her home to make the kitchen look cute, to needlepoint, to do stitching, to just to make her home and her husband happy, mm -hmm. you know, but it wasn't about women being in the world of art. Mm -hmm. Lucy Lepard was the art historian who changed that narrative. She was the first um, art critic for the New York Times. She was instrumental on bringing Judy Chicago to the forefront wow. mm -hmm. and the Chicago dinner table. If Lucy had not been there, Judy Chicago would not be known in the world. Um, she's written over 80 books. She's probably been cited like 800 times. Mm -hmm. And she's getting long in the tooth. Mm -hmm. And I said, wow, I need my work in front of, front of this woman. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I need her to see, what, even if I'm not a part of this, I need her to see my name one time on a piece of paper. That's what I need to do. It's like the rock star for me yeah. of art history. I was just like, oh, she's the queen. Yeah. So I was just like, so how do I, what is this? So I'm looking at, you know, the description of this show and it was about women and water rights. I, I didn't know what that meant. I had no clue what that really meant. Uh, you know, you know, you kind of like, but no, I live on within walking distance to Lake Michigan, mm -hmm. one of the greatest of the Great Lakes. Water is plentiful. We are the water wealthy here in Chicago. In Minnesota, they're the water wealthy. They're the land of 10,000 lakes. Water, wealth. We can turn on taps. We can flush toilets. We can run water, though we shouldn't. But we do. We've got um, the things outside dogs can drink from, water fountains for dogs. That's how wealthy we are in terms of water. I started doing research on what does this thing mean, water rights. Mm -hmm. And then I started looking at a woman's role in this. There are two.
two major conferences that had happened at that time. One had happened in Paris and one had happened in Buenos Aires on women and water rights. Um, the tome that was available was probably like 800 pages and 1,200 pages. And I was going through the notes from both conferences and trying to get a grip. And I felt like I was back in graduate school. Mm -hmm. I was really working and studying and trying to, you know, get a grasp on this thing. And I came away with a, just a few small truths. One was that the lack of clean water affects women and children of melanin first mm -hmm. and foremost. Yes. Therefore, but for the grace of God would be me. Everybody that I saw that was negatively affected by lack of clean water were brown people, black people, women, and girl children. So when a woman has to walk all day long to gather water, she takes her little girl with her who gathers water. If that little girl is gathering water, that little girl can't go to school. There is no education in places that lack water for girls. And if there's anything I care about in the world, it's little girls mm -hmm. and the ability for them to have a real life. And you would think little boys too, but no, there's an uncle or a man sitting on the bank over here by the time the boy is six and he goes, ah, ah, ah. not a boy's work, get over here. So he teaches him, I don't know how to fish or do darts. I don't know what they do, but the little boys don't go with their mothers. Um, and it is not um, necessarily a problem of ecology. What it is more than anything else is corporate and governmental greed that prevents women from being able to have access to clean water. I wow. know, uh, think on that one for a yeah. minute. It's true. And when I first started doing the show, I created these torsos that were headless and legless. Mm -hmm. And the reason being was that as I was going through all of these notes, the thing that hit me was that the woman who was suffering, she was never at these meetings where probably people were eating very, very well, staying in very lovely hotels having wine in the evening and chatting with friends. Mm -hmm. They didn't get to do that. They, their voice was silent and they could not remove themselves from their situation. There's no, I'm just gonna leave and go somewhere else tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So legless because they could not walk on their own, headless because they couldn't speak for themselves. Mm -hmm. And so the torsos were created to walk and speak for them. Um, also, with the torsos, I would have little educational posts with mm -hmm. each one to to have you the the viewer understand more than the prettiness of these pieces, mm -hmm. but so that they could understand some real numbers and some real issues going on. When I first started the work, <clears throat> I was looking at Sub-Saharan Africa. Central America and sub um, in India. Those were the places I was looking at the most, which are the hardest hit. But as I would talk to people, I'd be like, but 
don't be so brash and so proud because it will happen here. And I think the year after I said that the first time, Flint. Flint. Brown people losing everything, including their lives, because of what? Corporate and governmental greed that changed the pipeline from Detroit to somewhere else with iron that were in these pipes that were starting to kill children. Children, girl children, boy children too, but girl children. And then houses that are no longer viable on anybody's market. So you can't sell your house and just leave because you put all your life into this city and this town and this, your churches, your schools, and there's nothing left for you. And so now we're seeing it in Colorado. We're seeing it in California in certain parts. We're seeing it everywhere. But I'm going to tell you, if you look hard enough, who does it hit first? Women and girls. Brown and black people, first and foremost. Mm -hmm. The poorest of the poor, because unfortunately, brown and black people are the poorest of this nation. Mm -hmm. And it really impacts indigenous women and girls as well. Mm -hmm. You've spoken about this already, but can you talk to me from a real personal level about why this work around the environment and the climate crisis, why you brought it into your work? I don't think that I did. I really don't. I've always known that I'm expected to be a technician and to learn, but ideas aren't mine. If any of us think that ideas are ours, we're crazy. It's like, oh, I made the rain. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. I don't care what your belief system is. It does not, that does not come from you. So it was by some other grace that I saw Lucy's name on the paper. It was by somebody else's grace that I said, oh, let me look at what this means. That I found these instruments of education. That all of this was by another grace. That's not necessarily me. I'm responsible as an artist to understand materials, to understand how I work with those materials, and how I best administer those ideas that are given to me. Candace, your work, Dust in Their Veins, really highlights the the struggles of women, black and brown women, and girls around the around the globe. What about here in the United States? What about indigenous women? So as I've grown, the show continues to grow. So when the first iteration of the show, Flint had not happened yet. Um, So since then, before I did a show down Champaign-Urbana and UIUC, whatever the initials are, um, I did a new torso to reflect um, the monetary issues of why Flint happened. Um, And recently, um, I was listening to NPR, and there was an incredible woman on from the Navajo Nation. And she was speaking of water and lack of in many of the communities on the reservation that she lived on and the spots around her. And I had not until then considered those people 
whose land we stand on. So every piece of water drop that we drink really belongs to them. So for them to live shuttled over here where they don't have access to clean water struck me so hard. And I immediately went home and I asked my partner, I said, so I've got like four blank torsos, right? Left, you know, because I've had a lot cut. And I said, I want to do one all quill work. So wherever the next show lands, there will be one that's all quill work. And I actually, I wrote down the woman's name. I actually want to reach out to her um, and talk to her about prayer and how I include that um, in the piece as well. Um, because I want to honor that nation and I want to honor those people who suffer like somewhere else that I originally looked at because I was just like this is this is wrong on so many levels so the show does continue to grow when when my eyes are opened Mm -hmm. and when my eyes are open then I try to share that so that other eyes open as well Mm -hmm. thank you for that Candice can you tell me which is your favorite piece of art um, from your exhibit and why <laughs> so the probably the favorite is um, and so none of them have titles mm-hmm. um, because they're all walking women some are done in collage um, some are painted um, some had plastic water bottles sliced mm-hmm. off that I had a little hole underneath so sand literally poured out onto the mm-hmm. floor very slowly so the end of a show you'd have this mound of sand Um, but probably my favorite is one that um, looked at Central American traditions and I had Milagros are you familiar with the Milagro so it is a Mexican charm that's usually tin or silver And it could be the Virgin Mary, it could be praying hands, it could be a little boy, a little girl, it could be a race car (laughs) next to the Virgin Mary. Um, And so they're little tiny charms. So you'll see crosses all over Mexico with these um, charms hammered into them. And real ones, the intention, and this is where two communities gathered when I did this piece, so I thought about the Nkisi of um, Central and uh, Sub-Saharan Africa. So Nkisis are totems that a shaman or, I don't want to say medicine man, woman, but a, a holy person would create for an ill that happened in the community. So it could be something as simple as my husband's shoes didn't wind up underneath our bed for the last three nights, or it could be cholera has struck the entire nation or drought and we have no crops. So things are put in this sculpted piece and prayers are said and it's buried. It's never to be seen again. So when you see them in museums, you know one of two things, either it's not real or somebody stole something. Mm. Know that when you see it in Kisi in a museum. One of the two things. So the Milagros works the same kind of way. So you would take the charms and the cross to a priest. You'd leave it at the foot of the church. 
they would pray until this whatever this illness is is settled and then they're disposed of so I created on the torso I think on that torso there are 800 of the charms there might be a little a few more that I didn't nail them in I glued them on and they create their own kind of pattern and their own kind of story and they're round where a woman's you know new life might be um, and so it's it's just covered in these beautiful silver tone charms and I think that's probably my favorite because it combines two very desperate communities and traditions that are doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. Say, I need to fix a problem. Mm -hmm. Help me fix it. Thank you for all of that information. I'm still processing a lot. So it's a lot. It's a yes, lot. It right? It took me a long time to get to all of it. I'm throwing it all <laughs> at you like this. Yes, and how black and brown communities um, is always an equity issue when it comes to those communities. And you're explaining it more also when it comes to water equity, which is really interesting and unfortunate just thinking about what can we do about that. And I love that you're showing the issue in your art to spread the word. Um, I would like to know more about the art. Um, when people look at your art, what do you want people to take away from it when they see it? What do you want them to feel or what do you want them to think or what do you think they do think and feel when they look at it versus what you actually want them to think and feel when they look at it. So I started out my life um, in the arts as a performance artist. Wow. Not as a visual artist. I always did visual art, but I made my living on the stage and in front of the camera doing commercial work. And as a thespian. <laughs> it sounds so funny. Such a funny I can word. see it though. Such a funny word. You know that the writer who creates all these beautiful words, once they're finished, they hand them off to a director. They're done. Then the director puts their spin on it and hands the script to an actor and entrust the actor to move within those words and how they're moving you about a stage. Mm -hmm. You get all that, you do that. The product's not done until there's an audience. The audience is the last part of that puzzle. The audience is the one who decides if this is credible, if this is funny, if this is insightful. It's nothing that we did before. It, that's all for naught if an audience doesn't get it. So as I became a visual artist, I did something that I think a lot of visual artists don't think about. I think about my audience. I think about what are they going to take from this? How are they going to, are they going to feel full when they leave? Are they going to feel like their money was worth it, whether they're buying something or just viewing it? What are they going to feel when they leave? And so I've created a whole nother kind of paradigm on how I do my work than I think most visual artists do. I think most visual artists are happy to stay in the studio and shut a door and make art and, oh, well, no one likes it. I want somebody to like the work and I want somebody to think about the work.
So especially with the dust in their veins, I really needed people to think. I didn't want them to just look at this and go, wow, this is nice. I needed you to think. I needed you to act. I asked for actionables from that particular show. And um, the most wonderful thing um, that happened to me was um, when I, the first show I produced myself, then it was taken to the DuSable Museum and the young woman who was the education director or assistant to the education director at the time, Queuing Jones, um, she would walk through the exhibition a lot. And um, she now teaches children. So when COVID started, at the very beginning, if you remember, um, CDC, um, WHO, all sorts of orgs, and the mayor's office were doing videos on how to wash your hands and how long you wash your hands. And I'm thinking this is admirable, but every time you watch one of those videos, they turned on the water, the water is running while they're like, so we need you to wash the palms and underneath and sing a song and, you know, whatever amount of seconds, minutes they said it was for. It was wash your birthday. hands. The whole happy time birthday. the water is running. <laughs> the entire time the water, what? What? Yeah. So I made a little video and I talked about these entities and I said, I'm, I'm thankful for you, but let's see how we really do this. Click on the water, wet your hands, click it down, soap up, sing happy birthday, whether you can sing or not, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Back on, rinse your hands, back off. You're not wasting water. Do you know how many gallons that would be? While you let water run full force for the happy birthday song? Guess. Take a guess. Take a guess. Three? No. Ten? Nine gallons for the happy birthday song is what you're wasting. So I made this little video. I showed it. I didn't know other than my little Facebook family who would Mm -hmm. see it. That young woman, Queuing Jones, she had moved on to school teaching she showed it to her students and they're like they got it immediately one of her little boys made a video to teach his parents how to wash their hands and conserve water she then shared that i was just like okay something i did is okay you know when yeah when a child gets it Mm-hmm. You've done all the work you need to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no more work. Something you have it. done is more yeah. than okay. Mm-hmm. It is inspiring. Mm-hmm. I know this yes, conversation is really moving me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't have to speak for Adrienne. and everybody yes. speaks it. Speaks it. Still taking it all in. Um, you and you really truly do inspire us, and we're so grateful for your work. Can you tell us what inspires you? Oh. The laughter of children. Yeah. There's nothing better than hearing kids laugh. Um, seeing people prosper. Yes. Um, and seeing people overcome. Mm-hmm. So those are three of the things that just make me happy. Because mm-hmm. uh, we all deserve 
to be happy. Yeah. There's nobody on the planet who doesn't deserve that. Mm -hmm. So I don't care what their circumstances are or anything else. Everyone deserves that. Mm -hmm. so. Wow. Well, Candace Hunter, thank you so much for this conversation. You, you are truly inspiring. Yes. Uh, thank, you thank you for your work. Thank you. It is m moving. And thank you for your activism, because I do see that your work is a call to action. It is. So, it thank is. you. So, thank you so much, thank Candace. You, love. It was nice having you. And I'm definitely going to think about a lot of things that you said today. Recommend your work to others to look at and also think about um, water conservation. When I'm washing my hands, think about Candace in her video and things like that. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here and for creating this work to share with people with also actionable steps, which is so important, which you said earlier. So thank you. Thank you. Candace, I love your pieces that was on your website and I think people should check out and see more of your art. You can find more of Candace's art by going to her Instagram. This was a great conversation. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for taking the time to listen to us today. Please tell your friends to check us out and we'll see you next time.